today, like I said real quick, I want to give you guys two, if you're taking notes, there's going to be two points, and they're basically two different messages. I guess before, we, before I do that, I should say, hi, my name's Tim Gillio. I'm a pastor here on staff at Resurrection Life Church. It's really nice to see all of you. We should, it could be like a class. Nice to see you too, Tim, you know. <laughs> Maybe I've had a little bit too much sugar today, or coffee. Okay, here we go. You guys ready for this? All right, we're going to move kind of fast. Okay, about, about six weeks ago, I decided I was going to start reading through the history of Israel. How many of you guys have read through parts of the Old Testament, like Kings and uh, First and Second Samuel? First, These are really cool stories. And basically, what if you take it all and you could put it all in the proper order, because sometimes it's a little jumbled. If you read these books, it's kind of like the beginning of the birth of Israel. Well, I guess that's in Genesis, would be the birth of Israel. Israel gets into captivity. They go into Egypt, right? They're there on good terms for quite a while, but then eventually it says a Pharaoh comes into power, and he doesn't remember who Israel is. He gets kind of freaked out. He puts them and makes them slaves, right? How many of you guys have heard this? Israel is God's chosen people. So what God does is he decides he's going to rescue Israel. So this guy named Moses, how many of you have heard of Moses? Okay, cool. Yeah, most of you have heard of Moses. Moses is a cool dude, carried around a staff, turned into a snake, had some other plagues happen in Israel. Is that what I said? Isn't that what I said? Oh, did I say, I said it. Man, Moses did not turn into a snake. Let's get this. Let's just be biblically accurate here. He did not turn into a snake. His staff turned into a snake. Anyways, God ends up using Moses. God calls and uses Moses to get the Israelites out of Egypt. And they spend some time wandering through the desert, right? And then they find themselves in their promised land. A different guy takes over leading because Moses dies and they find themselves in their promised land. And then Israel kind of does something very foolish, but they begin to cry out and say, God, we want a king like all the other nations. And God is like, why do you want that? God wants to be the one to lead them. And he's telling them that, and they're not believing. They're saying, we want kings like all the other nations. So then you get a king that comes up to power and his name's Saul. How many of you guys have heard of King Saul? King Saul, God anointed King Saul to be king of Israel, but King Saul decided to turn the glory off God and bring it to himself. And God ends up removing King Saul from being the king of Israel. And he puts in a guy named David. Okay, how many of you guys have ever heard of David? You got David and Goliath and all this stuff. Okay, King David comes into power and God makes a promise to King David. This is the promise that God made to King David. He said, if you and your descendants continue to follow me and you obey my commandments, he said, God said to David, one of your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel forever. That's what God said to him, forever. There will always be one of your descendants on the throne of Israel. Well, David kind of makes some mistakes, but really he repents of his mistakes and he, he walks faithfully with God for a long time. And then after King David dies, can you tell me who the next king of Israel is? Solomon. King Solomon, his son. So God fulfilled his promise. King Solomon stepped up and he became king. And King Solomon 
uh, is a very interesting guy. King Solomon is a guy that God asked him what he wanted. King Solomon said he wanted to be wise. God gave him wisdom. God blessed him with riches. God blessed him with peace on all sides for a long time. But eventually what ends up happening is King Solomon kind of wavers in his commitment to God. He begins to worship other, other gods and he's not faithful. So then what happens is when King Solomon dies, his son, and I need to make sure I get which one, his, king, his, his son, King Rehoboam, takes, takes authority inside of Israel. And this is where I kind of want to get to today because Rehoboam becomes king. He calls all of Israel together. They meet him, and the, the, the nation of Israel begins to cry out to King Solomon, and they say, you're sorry, to King Rehoboam, they say, your dad Solomon was so mean and so hard and drove us and made us work so hard. And they call out and they say, be a little easier on us. Well, King Rehoboam at that time goes and he consults with some of his friends. Maybe he didn't have good friends, probably not. They say, who cares what the people say? Tell them that you're going to be even stronger and you're going to be even harder. And King Rehoboam goes and does this. And what happens is right here, because Rehoboam decided to listen to his friends, the nation actually splits. How many of you guys have heard of the nation of Israel splitting? You've got several of the tribes of Israel split away and, a, and, and one stays or two stay. So you've got two and then you've got 10. And then what happens is another guy and this is, this is who I've been reading about, and this is what I want to talk to you guys about real quick. Another guy named Jeroboam, it's really close, but it's Jeroboam, takes authority inside of the nation of Israel for those 10 tribes. And, and I'm going to read, I'm going to start reading in 1 Kings 3, sorry, 1 Kings 11.34. So remember, God's talking. And he's talking to Jeroboam. And this is what it says. It says, but I will not make, I will not take all the kingdom. Okay, you guys got it right there. But I will not take all the kingdom away from Solomon. I will let him rule all of his life because of his servant David. But when I choose, or sorry, I'm just, hold up. Okay, now I'm back. (laughs) It says, I will not. I will let him rule all of his life because of my servant David, whom I chose, who obeyed all my commandments. It says, but I will take the kingdom away from his son, that's Rehoboam. So I'll take the kingdom away from his son, and I will allow you to rule the ten tribes. I will allow Solomon's son to continue to rule over one tribe, so there will always be a descendant of David, my servant, in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to be worshiped. And then this is where I want you to pay attention. Remember, God's talking to Jeroboam, and this is what he says. But I will make you rule over everything you want. You will rule over all of Israel, and I will always be with you if you do what is right. And then there's six words that are extremely important. It says, you must obey all my commands. And then God makes a promise to Jeroboam. He says, if you obey my laws and my commands as David did, I will be with you. I will make your, I will make your family a lasting family of kings as I did for David and gave Israel and give Israel to you. I will punish David's children because of this, but I will not punish them forever. So let's just 
stop for a second and re-examine what's happening. The kingdom is getting divided into two. God is looking at Jeroboam and he's saying, if you obey my commandments, I will allow you to rule over 10 of the tribes of Israel. That's most of Israel forever. I will make your king, your family kings continually, but you have to do what I command. I was thinking about examples of this. How many of you guys know that there's a pretty big game coming up this weekend between Michigan State and Oregon? Go green. All right, I had to throw that in there. Go green. All right. How many of you, if I said I've got five tickets, I've got five tickets to the Michigan State basketball game, basketball game, football game, my goodness, my mind is running about, <laughs> I could use some coffee. Anyways, okay. How many of you, if I said I have five tickets to the Michigan State-Oregon football game, I almost said basketball game, football game this weekend, and I said I want to go, but I'm going to take you and four friends with me, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to wear only green only green shirts from now until Saturday. How many be like, I'm all over that. Okay. And then I'm going to throw in there. If you will wear nothing but flip flops from now until then, I'll also buy you and all your, your three friends that come with you pizza. How many be like, okay, I'm all about that. And then, and then if you will wear a Michigan state hat for me for this, for this time, I will buy Red Bull and have Red Bull all over the car for the entire drive down. And you guys won't be sleeping. I was thinking about this and I was like, man, God gave him a promise. And sometimes it's really easy to keep, keep a promise for a short time. But sometimes when it gets a little bit longer, it's hard. But I can imagine that if I promised tickets to you to the football game, you'd be pretty much all over. I'm pretty sure that you would go home to your closet and make sure that you're not wearing any shirts that are not green. You'd be, you would be, yeah, he'd be spray painting. He'd be stepping it up. He'd be like, I'm going to do, Mark's like, no. You'd be doing everything and, and insert Insert your team. If you're not a Michigan State fan, don't be like, that's not what I would do. Insert your team, you know, whatever your team is. When we get promised something, sometimes it's really easy to step up and take it on. But then after a while, sometimes it'll diminish. But, uh, but I can imagine that if God gave me a promise as big as what he said here, obey my commandments. God's saying, if you do this, if you obey my commandments, your family will be ruling from now on. All you have to do is obey. All you have to do is obey him. You guys know that one of God's commandments is is to worship him and no other God before him. Well, this morning, as I was reading through this story, I'm going to read to you guys what it says. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm going to read to you guys what it says in 1 Kings chapter 12. Verses 26 through 30. So Jeroboam has just taken reign of the kingdom and God gave him this promise. And then it says this. Jeroboam said to himself, 
The kingdom will probably go back to David's family. I have no idea where I even got that thought. The kingdom will probably go back to David's family. If people continue going to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, that's kind of on the other side, you know, it's the other kingdom now. If people continue to go over to the temple in Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, they will want to be ruled by Rehoboam. They will kill me and follow Rehoboam, king of Judah. And then Jeroboam makes this pretty much really stupid decision. There's no other way to describe it. It says, King King Jeroboam asked for advice. Then he made two golden calves. Okay, so now we even make it two golden calves. It is too long of a journey. This is now I'm talking to the people. It's too long of a journey for you to go to Jerusalem to worship, he said to the people. Is Israel, here are your gods who brought you out of Egypt. This sounds really foolish. He just starts making these two golden calves. And here are the gods that brought you out of Egypt, which is totally a lie. I don't even understand why they do this. But it says, Jeroboam put one golden calf in the city of Bethel and the other in the city of Dan. This became a very great sin. This became a very great sin because the people traveled as far as Dan to worship the calf there. I was reading this and it kind of struck me. This guy gets made a promise. As big as if you can do this one thing, you and your family will reign in Israel forever. And right away, the first thing that happens is he gets jealous and he gets worried and he begins to search for ways to get Israel secure in his grasp. But really what he just did is he completely went against the biggest commandment. He completely went against and he made Israel worship. And if you continue the story, he ends up building temples and he ends up doing all this stuff. He makes priests out of anyone and that's not what God wants. And what ends up happening... What ends up happening is his kingdom is ripped from him because he would not listen to God. We have to listen to God. So often, so often people will read the Bible and they'll hear what it has to say and they'll think, Man, that's, that's crazy. No one lives like that anymore. That's so wrong. No one does that. Man, that's cramping my style, yo. What do you mean I have to dress modestly? What do you mean I have to do all that? And they look at the Bible and they say, man, it's cramping my style. The problem is people don't realize that the Bible is the way to have the abundant life. Jeroboam could have had it all if he would have just listened to God. He could have had the life if he had just listened. And God actually wants the best for you. In John 14, 15, God says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. God says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. I was thinking about it today. And when it says, if you love me, obey my commandments, I was thinking how much that's honor and respect to God. Okay, all the guys, raise your hand. How many of you guys want to be honored and respected? We all will keep our hands up because as a guy, you just want to be honored and respected. God wants the exact same thing. 
And God says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you set to keep your sights on him, he's going to take care of it. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, there's a story, or actually it starts a few verses before that. There's a story of this guy who comes up to Jesus, and this guy wants to know what the greatest commandment is. Actually, he's trying to trip Jesus up, but he wants to know what the greatest commandment is. Jesus looks at him and says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus tells us what the greatest commandment is. We need to show love to God by respecting him, by listening to what he says. Uh, I can tell you this, that probably every, where are the married guys in here? One, two, I see three, four, yep, and then five. Okay. Yeah. And then there, yep, there's a couple in the sound booth. For a guy, one of the biggest things is is respect. And I could tell you this, when my wife Rachel, there's my beautiful wife Rachel Gillio right there, looking like a rock star. <laughs> Give it up for Rachel Gillio. Uh, <laughs> that's her blushing behind her Bible. <laughs> Anyways, I could tell you that when Rachel makes a decision to listen and to honor and respect me, it does so much for me. And I was thinking about this story and how God said to Jeroboam, he said, if you listen and if you follow and if you put your, your own desires down and chase after him, God's like, I'm going to set you up to succeed. Because honoring and showing love and listening to God does so much. Jesus, when he's, when he's teaching, he's teaching his disciples and some other people, he he says, he who has ears, let him hear. In Mark 4, 9, it says, it says, then he said, that's Jesus. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. It says the same thing in Matthew eleven fifteen. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. How many of you guys know that there is sometimes a big difference between hearing and listening? I'm sure... I could sit through half of your guys' classes this week. In the first 10 minutes, you would be hearing and listening. After that, you might just be hearing, right? You know, like, oh, man, I know he just said something that's going to be on the test or something, you know. So often, I've got some funny pictures. Uh, this This is a cute little guy. Look at this one. Come on. Everyone just wants to go, oh, my goodness. Uh. And then there's and then there's this one. I don't even know what kind of animal this is. I'm sh- pretty sure he's listening to himself pick his n- nose with his tongue. <coughs> God God says let he who has ears listen. Sometimes it's really easy to hear, but sometimes it's very very difficult to actually listen. Jeroboam heard God, but Jeroboam did not listen to God. Jeroboam heard the words that God said, but Jeroboam did not listen to God. To listen means to take what is coming in your ear 
letting it rattle around in between your ears and your head for a few minutes or whatever, taking it and applying it. That's what listening means. Uh, how many of you guys are excited to go hunting here in like a couple weeks or so? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big hunter. I'm a big hunter. I remember one time I was out hunting. I was about, see, I would have been in eighth grade. So I'd have been about 12 years old. Is that right? Eighth grade? That seems a little young. 14. Okay. Man. Okay. Backstory. I had broken my leg playing football in eighth grade in October and I'm out in the woods and I'm sitting in a tree. I'm I'm sitting in a blind that's on the ground and there's so many deer around me that I say, dad, I need you to come sit with me so we can watch different directions. It was crazy amount of deer that went around me. Anyways, my dad comes out, my dad comes out to hunt with me and we sit down and we're hunkered down in this like tree and we're, we're hunting. And also I'm like, dad, okay, the deer are coming. Uh, how many of you guys have been hunting before? Okay. There's, there's three things that you have to watch out for on a deer. You have to watch out for the eyes, right? Deer have very good sight. You have to watch out for the nose because they can smell. Some people actually say up to a thousand times stronger than a human. A thousand times. That means like, I don't, even, I don't even know what to think of that. A thousand times. Anyways, and then what's the third part of the deer that you have to watch out for? You have to watch out for the ears. Um, I've got this picture right here. This is so often the sight when you're in the woods. You're sitting there, deer come in, and then they do this. And they just stare at you. And those ears are ridiculous. They can actually turn them completely around without moving. I mean, I'm pretty sure it like slides down their neck or something. It can move so much. And what they could do, a deer has the very keen ability. They actually don't hear. They hear a little stronger than humans. But what they're actually very, very good at doing is listening. Because they could take that ear and they can rotate it around to the exact position. So uh, Pastor Daniel will attest to that. A deer will sit there and be looking this way and you're right there and that ear will go right at you. And the deer is listening to you without even actually looking at you. And that's the worst because you're like, I got them. They're looking the other way, but they're actually listening to you. You know, and then you like move a little bit and they're like tail goes up and like, you know, they, they run off and it's like, oh, snap. I remember one time, well, I'm totally only going to get to have my message today, but that's okay. I remember one time I'm sitting in a tree stand and my neighbor had just shot a buck and he had the cool idea of putting a camera on the end of his bow and he's got it on video and I'm like, that's awesome. I'm so going to do that. So my wife and I, we go to, we go to, I think we went to Gander Mountain at that point. And I'm like, hey, look at that. They've got a clearance out camera. Perfect. I take that thing, put it on my head. I'm like, no, I don't want it on my head because if I'm shooting my bow, I'm just going to picture it. You know, that's not, that's not what I want. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to mount it right on the end of my camera or on my, uh, right on the end of my bow. So I put it there and I'm up in a tree stand and I'm sitting there and a couple deer come through and I turn it on and then they kind of walked a little bit too far away. So I turn it back off. At least I thought I turned it off. <laughs> what ends up happening is all of a sudden I do one of these. And I'm hunting a swamp. Every deer that walks through the swamp is like, you know, it should be really loud, right? Super loud. 
But then all of a sudden, something catches my eye off the corner, right? And I look like this, and the biggest buck I have ever seen in my entire life is gliding through the swamp pretty much like he's on ice skates. No sound whatsoever. And I'm, I'm like, actually, no, I didn't do that. Uh, what I do, I decided he, he's getting closer. He's about, he's about probably 55 yards out, getting close into range. So what do you do? Well, you go up there and you click that camera on. And I clicked it. And every other time it's been silent. And it goes, it goes, I can't even make the noise out quiet. Not even that loud, super quiet. You know, like super, super little beep. Like I'm running out of batteries. You know, I'm like, I don't care. Anyways, I remember watching this. The buck never got spooked, but what it did is it stopped. Ears went. Checked out some things, turned, glided perfectly through the swamp away from me. And I'm like, come on. That's why it was, I know, that's what I thought. I went and returned it. I'm like, this thing is stupid. I did, I returned it, got my money back. Bought something so valuable with the money that I don't even remember what it was. Um, deer are super good at not only hearing but on listening. If you look at the history of Israel as they're going into the promised land, I'm going to kind of wrap up with this. We're talking about listening. We're talking about not only hearing, but listening. And the biggest thing to listen to is the word of God. I was thinking about, man, I want our youth group to be a youth group that is known as a group of people that listen to God. And it starts right here. It starts with the Bible. If you're not getting in and reading this, then you're missing it. In Joshua 1.8, Joshua's taken over leading the nation of Israel. And he's getting to go into some, some pretty crazy things. He knows he's going to be stepping into a lot of battles. And in Joshua 1.8, God says, study this book of instruction continually. Talking about the Bible. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey there's that word again. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. God says if you spend time getting in to the Bible, it is going to set you up for success in every area of your life. It is going to set you up to knock it out of the park. But we have to not only hear it, we have to listen to it. I was reading this week, I started a book. Uh, how many of you guys have ever heard of Chuck Colson? He's a, he's a pretty awesome dude from, from a while ago. He wrote a book called, called The Faith. And I was reading this, I was reading this, and this is what it says. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read right out of here. It's talking about a guy named, Daw, uh, Dawkins, who is trying to pretty much say that the Bible's not true, saying there's no such thing as truth and, and all this stuff. And it says, but the, but the Dawkins uh, mentality has gripped our culture, saying 
It's taken over in our culture. And this was statistics that he laid out. 63% of Americans deny the knowability of moral truth, as do 53% of evangelicals. That means 53% of the church say that you can't know truth. And then he, he threw out this statistic, and I almost had to read it two or three times for it to actually hit me what it said. He said, among teenagers, and he's quoting a study, he says, among teenagers, the next generation of leaders, only 8% acknowledge there is moral truth. How many people are in here tonight? Maybe like a hundred and, I'm going to guess a hundred and, I was going to say 112. Good job. Come on, rock it. Uh, that's absolutely true, I'm sure. No. Um, so if there's 112 people in here, that means in a general study of teenagers, if you took eight for a hundred and then maybe for the 12, you took one, maybe one and like a half. I don't know how you get a half a person, but that means just over 11 people in here would actually believe that there is a moral truth. And you might say, well, that's, that's not that big of a deal. What, you know, what's, the, what's, the, what's the big deal about that? If we don't believe that there is a moral truth, we can't believe that the Bible is actually accurate. We can't believe that this is truth. And if we can't do that, then we can't believe that God is actually who God says he is. We have to believe that the Bible is authoritative and absolutely true. We have to believe that it is authoritative and actually true. Uh, is there anyone in here that goes to Granville? Okay. We'll plug for school spirit night. Uh, so Granville people, raise your hand. Anyone in like maybe 10th grade? Anyone 10th grade at Granville? All right. How many, uh, roughly how many people are in your class? Like 500 let's let's say let's say there's 500 people in his class if you look at that statistic of eight percent you could literally go around and say there are only 40 people in your class statistically that are going to believe that there is a truth to believe and the problem is what people are trying to say is that truth is relative how many of you guys have ever heard that truth is relative you can't believe that there is a truth that's the most ridiculous thing that you could say. Truth is relative. No, there is a truth, and we have to believe that the Bible is true. If you want, come up here after service, and I'll walk you through a few things that you can know to just know that the Bible is true. But we have to put this in our lives and say, you want to know what? I'm going to submit myself to the will and the, the understanding of the Bible as the word of God. We have to live our lives like that. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm rushing around. So uh, can I get Manny? Look at, dude, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Here's what I want you guys to do. In a second, I'm going to ask you to, to, to close your eyes. And I'm just going to take like four minutes and just do some personal reflection time. Jeroboam was not the best listener. Jeroboam was not the best listener. He heard, but he didn't listen. God tells us that if we want to be, if we want to be successful, if we want to know what it truly means to have the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, then we have to, we have to submit ourselves to God. Jesus said that he came to give us life and life abundant. 
But if you're not getting into the word of God, that's not going to be able to happen. So here's the question. Where do you stick the Bible in your life? You know, so often we're transitioning from paper Bibles to iPads and tablets, and that's, that's fine. But if you're losing the actual realness of the Bible in your life, then that's not okay. I'm fine with wherever and however you want to read it, but you have to understand that the Bible is the living word of God. And you cannot know God apart from knowing the word.